Hi, welcome to episode five of the Codex West podcast. How are you guys doing today? Hey, what's up, man? I am uh, joined, as always, by my co-host Mark Quivola. Yo, yo. And Johnny Paglino. Hey. Um, so today we are. This is going to be the first time that we do our new format. Um, it's so this podcast is actually going to be split into three separate podcasts, which are going to have. Um, they're going to correspond to whatever it is that we're talking about. Our different categories so uh today we're going to be talking about the new game that just came out cuphead um we're going to be talking about gun control and then for our philosophy segment we're going to talk about uh what exactly a state of emergency is um so yeah let's uh let's get right into it all right um so cuphead is a game that was recently released what what was it johnny like a couple weeks ago yeah i think it was like two weeks ago um it's like a the the art style is kind of unprecedented um it's it's like a 30 style shooter it looks like steamboat willie like old old mickey <laughs> mouse cartoons yeah. um but it's a it's like a run and gun shoot 'em up sort of uh johnny how would you describe it? like a i like would a i would almost just, i would yeah i would say it's like a boss crawler in a way or something like it's mostly boss fights um which makes sense because of because the game is hand drawn that it makes more sense that it's like character focused as opposed to like level focused in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, the, um, the levels are sort of designed. It's like the levels are usually one screen and it's oriented entirely like thematically around whatever the boss is. So there's like a, right. there's a, the boss I'm on right now is the, the pyramid boss. Um, the first phase, he's like a Pharaoh and he throws scimitars at you. The second phase, he turns into a bunch of pillars. And then the third phase, he's uh, like a coffin. So it's all yeah. thematically It's like a monarch butterfly, you know what I mean? It goes through its phases. Yeah. Just like nice. that, yeah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just like, like a monarch butterfly. Um, but yeah, so it's there's like the premise of the game is um, you're base you're this cuphead, like you're like it's like a, it's like a dude. You're an anthropomorphic cup. cup. You're this yeah. cuphead. You're a cuphead, and, and your brother uh, uh, Mugface. Mugface, right? You guys are. You know, you went gambling. and You're children, uh, by the way. You're, you're basically children who went to the casino. And the devil's like, yo, man, you want to double up or I'll take your souls? They're playing they're craps. Like, nah. They're playing craps. So they're like, yeah, let's uh, throw the dice. And they lose. And so... Oh my god! Uh, I didn't realize. I thought that this was a parody gone way too long. I hadn't gotten. No, uh, no, 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 no. This is the actual premise. That's no, the actual premise. Yeah. So, so I haven't played it yet, uh, but yeah. I, <laughs> but um, so. Uh, instead of they make a deal with the devil that instead of uh, giving their souls up that they'll go around and collect other contracts for souls that he has um, outstanding and so basically in the the game is divided into four worlds um, and it looks like like Mario overworlds like Super Mario Brothers kinds of like overworlds yeah you have like a wide open space and you can you walk from like boss fight to boss fight you kind of choose where you want to go next and then there are like um there's like uh enemy runs like what are they running guns i think is what they're, they're called. called running guns yeah, yeah so you don't actually have to beat the running guns to like progress to the next world but they're good because they give you coins which you can use for upgrades and a lot of learning how to play the game is figuring out which upgrades you use for which fight um, but it's pretty clear that the running guns were less inspired and much more difficult to animate using this style. For sure, I yeah. Think, right? Because um, so, the, the game looks, I mean, the game's beautiful. It looks like it was animated frame by frame. It's, it's it like was, kind yeah. of. Oh, was it really? It really was? Yeah, so the way they did it is they actually drew it on paper. 
if they like inked it on paper and then they copied <laughs> it to um a digital painter who did all the coloring but oh, they, they used the, they used the actual animation process that uh like disney and fleischer studios was wow. known for which was like the they did about uh they're, they, it says it's animated in ones, which means that um, it's each frame. Yeah, that's wild. So it's like 24 frames per second. So there's actual 24 frames of animation. Jesus Christ. Uh, per second. Wow. And so you can see how it was very painstaking. Um, and I think it they pull it off. Like the style For is sure, completely yeah. It's like pretty seamless. Different. There's no... Like running the only so the only like pseudo glitch that I've encountered yet has to do with the like actual, um, it's like pairing the, the jump. No, no, no. It's not the. Oh, it's, no. It has anything to do with like the actual like visual visuals of the game. It's just a, like a coding issue. There was a the flower boss fight. I managed to skip a phase just by doing enough damage in one at one point, and it just he just like stood still for a full minute. Oh, you know what? But I that flower fight, that same thing happened to me. That's oh, really? I okay. I, yeah, I, I, I face skipped. I think that I don't know if that's a coding thing. It's just like face skipping. Huh. Um, I know that's like what you like when you're playing Final Fantasy 14. That's like you're always trying to face skip in that way. So I think it's just kind of part of like phase boss fights. Sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway. So. Um. Back to like the anime. I have this sort of. I I didn't know much. Yeah. About. You, Johnny's got like a conspiracy theory. <laughs> it's not, I mean, it's just like a reading into what, like, so if you're going to make a game like this, it clearly have to have a his, like a sense of the art history involved, which I did not. You know, you look at it, you're like, okay, it's like 30s animation, Disney-ish. I don't really know what else because I don't know anything about the period. So I kind of, you know, I just gave myself like a crash course on the history and. It seemed like, so in this time, it was called the Golden Age of Animation. And essentially, there were like two major players, which were like Disney, obviously, but even before Disney were these two brothers out of Vienna, the Fleischer brothers. And they um, invented rotoscoping. So they would, you know, they would actually take um, images of people moving and then they would copy that onto the animation itself to give it like a really fluid style yeah um rotoscoping is the precursor to a lot of the um, motion tracking that's used in like triple a video games these days yeah um and even just like cgi uh but so i i kind of got to thinking that maybe there was a sense of like um affinity for this period for the creators because they there's a way in which you can read in the history the the um the fleischer studios versus uh disney who like disney was basically inspired by the fleischer brothers but then just took it to a whole new level because of the money they had like fleischer studios was just like two brothers working it out they were like what you would consider like an indie and you said they did they were responsible today. for like popeye yeah so um they're responsible for uh was it Betty Boop? Oh, oh really? Yeah, Shit. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then they, they bought the rights to Popeye and they animated it. And that was their biggest cartoon. It even surpassed popularity of, like, Mickey Mouse for a few years. Um, but they were, like, what you would consider the indie games studio of mm. that day, right? And Disney would be, like, the AAA studio. 
And um, so you can kind of, going back, like, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe you, you have something to say about this, Jacob, but I feel like there is, a, there's like a, um, there's this movement right now with indie games. There's a lot of people making independent games and a lot of the design choices are experimental with indie games as opposed to AAA games. It's like they have two different functions and it's even reflected in the price point of these games. Like if you get yeah. an indie game, it's like $20, $15, as much as $40, but it's never going to be 60 The Yeah, the and, design philosophy like paradigm with indie games and AAA games is now, it's gotten to the point where it's like, uh, it's it feels like a different medium sometimes. Yeah, you can really read like um, into, like it feels like they're just two different, experiences altogether yeah because you have stuff like it seems like the triple a games that are coming you have like your call of duties that are just always going to be there like there's always going to be shooting games those are always Always just going to be be, like always going to be there's sports games shooting games uh to like a lesser extent i think racing simulators are still a big thing i think forza 7 just came out yeah and that's Um, like a big deal for some people i guess yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that's more of a like a niche deal but it's still a triple a game um, and then you have and indie these games. like are built to like make DLCs at this point. Yeah, which is for. that's they're the other like thing money is machine, season passes like they're they're money suckers. People are people are now sort of like uh, people are are now becoming aware of just how like sort of unscrupulous the the AAA game like paid DLC model is. The there people are having a lot of issues with a like just the cost of games, but b there's a game right now called uh, what is Shadow of War. Um, there's this huge controversy surrounding it because this game is a it's a sixty dollar triple A title that was released by I think Bethesda to Shadow of War, um, and it's it's a full game like you buy the game and it's you know throughout all of video gaming history you buy a full price game it comes with all of the content, um, but now there's not just not only is there DLC which is typically like an add on to the game it's not necessary to the gaming experience it's just like, um, it's an expansion. Yeah, it's just an expansion, which is, that's sort of always been around. But now you have, like, uh, loot boxes and paid DLC that's, like, basically they're putting Shadow, uh, Shadow Mortar has put the the game experience, the full game that you paid full price for, they put it behind an additional paywall. So now you have, like, indie studios what? that are sort of, yeah, have you not heard about this? I haven't looked into it, no. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but I think this is Cuphead and, and a lot of indie games, like, you have the Standing Parable... Um, you have what's the what was the puzzle game that we were playing? The Witness. The Witness. Um, yeah. Even even like Dream Daddy are they, <laughs> they're games that are a a much lower price point, but because they're not beholden to a publisher, they get to make like really interesting and unprecedented design choices that lead to gameplay that no that we haven't really experienced before. Versus these AAA titles, which are basically like reskins of very similar RPGs and shooters that are now they're recognizing that people don't necessarily want to play those games anymore and they're not selling as well as they historically have. So instead of like improving the quality of their games, they're putting stuff behind a paywall to make the people that still want to play those games just leech more money. Yeah, totally. Um, and so I'm, I'm sort of reading the art history into um, this break, this divide. Oh yeah, so, I think that's pretty reasonable. So if you're going to like make a indie game that is in that is hand-drawn in the style of um that in the style of like an artistic style that represents a period like this i think that 
the gameplay itself, what they're trying to do is supposed to evoke that um, history. Yeah, that sort of paradigm between, like, independent and big, big guys. Right, yeah. And, uh, like, even, like, in the game itself, it's like you're just, like, a cup fighting these huge (laughs) monsters, you know? (laughs) That, uh... (laughs) So I just think it's 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 pretty fascinating. No, that's um, a really cool reading. I don't think that that's that doesn't sound even too conspiracy theory to me. Especially yeah, because if, like, like you're actually it, seeing an aesthetic similarity when you talk about like yeah. the, the whatever the Fleischman or Fleischer brothers, whoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fleischer. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's really an interesting idea. Maybe that maybe that's there. I think it. You know, there's there it. It's hard to imagine least, it with a game like made so deliberately that that wasn't intentional. It's so yeah. deliberate. It feels like they're evoking like a spiritual allyship with the yeah, brothers. for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can get that a lot. <laughs> no, it's no, that's great. <laughs> I love it. So, but um, so uh, there's another part of this I think, which is that um, the Fleischer Studios with like Betty Boop, um, it was like much more risque than what Disney was doing. Mm-hmm. And to the fact that they had to like tone it down, they like got censored basically. Um, risque. I know this is gonna be like a stretch in a way, but maybe not. <laughs> um, there's something like so the game is very difficult, and to me, it's it's also just sort of it's slightly demented. It's not really demented, but it's like it's like a shooter where you're like, um, I don't know. It's like a shoot. It's you know, it's it's like rough in a way. It feels rough. I don't know. You'd have to play it, I guess. Yeah, it's like kind of gritty, and a lot of that, it, yeah. a lot of it isn't necessarily in the visual elements of the game. A lot of the sound design is like. Oh my god! I, w- you I was go... actually going to say the sound design really caught me. I was really shocked by how. Cool so the that was. the yeah, music is amazing, music. but the uh, um, if you so like if the very one of the very first things you do is you go into the like this shopkeeper and up to the point that you talk to the shopkeeper everybody's had like a pretty clear voice or you get the normal like video game text scroll like do 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 you walk into the shopkeeper and it just goes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah and he's like crazy. this burly dude well, it I, I sounds like what. it's it sounded like it was um from one of those old cartoons you know what i mean like that it was being played through like you know, a one <laughs> through like a, on a phonogram, yeah. Phonogram <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess uh, in my view, like um, the risqueness of uh, the the original Fleischer cartoons, kind of like exists in the same nexus of feeling as um, like the gritty difficulty of this game. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, like, there's a way in which those relate to and. I don't think you can. I guess, like, would you consider at this point Dark Souls as like a AAA game from software as like a AAA studio at this point? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say because it's so they're so unlike any other. I mean, it, I think it would be hard to argue, like, just from a, a monetary perspective, that they're not a AAA studio. Like the yeah. the resources that they have access to make them sort of like by definition a AAA studio. But the games they put out are so unlike any other studio that it's. It's at least worth noting that, like, the difficulty in the Souls-like games is... Like, yeah, uh, they it, sort of spawned a whole... exceptional. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, not ordinary. And I guess what I'm making is, like, indie games have the... They're allowed to be more difficult because... Yeah, I, for sure, yeah. You're not, you know, you're not asking somebody to spend $60 and then they literally can't get... Can't play the, the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... I think there's a way in which it's important to talk about the difficulty of this game. Yeah, let's talk about the actual gameplay. Yeah, so I think um, when I think of what the um, 
what difficulty adds to the aesthetic experience of a game. When you when something is tough, you need to learn it. Like you have to sit down and really focus and learn about what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and really like interact with the game, which is it's something very special to games and why I think it's like an emergent art form is because you really have to f- like quiet yourself and focus um, in a way that you don't necessarily have to. Yeah, I mean, other <laughs> we media. were watching Blade Runner last night and like stopped to text people <laughs> several yeah. times <laughs> during the. Yeah, movie. I was like, <laughs> you can't do that with games. You just you can't know. Right, <laughs> you will yeah. just die. So, so um, but when something's really difficult, it it's it it's um, you need to learn it and when you do you become really intimate with the part of the game that you're stuck on yeah right? and so it's like you're really deeply connected to this part that once you master it and you overcome it it's like um a sense of euphoria yeah for or like sure. yeah it's like i figured you, it, it out. feels as like, though you've actually accomplished something even though you've just you know played somebody else's game <laughs> <laughs> right yeah it does no it's true and um what's crazy is like what other like art forms get you like rage quit frustrated than games you know like where you're just like there's so many times i was playing cuphead i just had to put it down yeah no i don't i don't have that experience with games but like cuphead and i think too it's like the um the brevity of the game is sort of like the beauty of it you can just go to a boss fight and that's the whole the whole experience of the game is these boss battles essentially yeah so the reload time is really fast it's just like instant instant, the fights are only two minutes so you can really sit there and learn the fights and take a lot of chances because if you mess up you just go back yeah and that's the, also long. the that's the sort of game too i just want to briefly mention this that sort of like fosters a, a speed running community like games like cuphead oh, yeah. games like cuphead where so uh, we i want to get into like how the, the bosses actually work basically each boss is set up and none of them are exactly the same but um each boss is set up to have phases so and if you're sort of like uninitiated into games the the idea of like a phase-based boss fight is you deal a certain amount of the boss uses certain attacks during each phase. You deal a certain amount of damage to the boss, or you do something in the fight, like maybe interact with an object, and then the boss change phases and he has different attacks. That's, it's probably the most like basic way to explain, right? Phase-based boss fights. So yeah. this game, essentially, because the boss fights are so short, and because it's most even games that have phase-based boss fights, most of them don't. Um, it's not just bosses. Most of the time you have to clear, so like the sort of like classic RPG deal, or even with like this this genre of game, which is called shoot 'em up historically has been you clear a bunch of like trash, you go through like a level, and then you fight a boss. Even, you know, that's been the case with like Mario, um, just that's sort of always been the deal with these kind of games. This game almost entirely skips that idea, and it's just boss fights. So that means you get to, like Johnny said, you get to get really intimate with these bosses and understand like the the nuances of each phase. But there's also um, like randomness. So even though they use the same attacks during the phase, the order in which the attacks are used is different. Um, maybe the direction that the projectiles come is different. Um, the order in which the attacks are used is different. So you, different from each iteration of the right, right, exactly. Like, so say you know you you're learning a phase. Um, there's a flower boss and there's a during the first phase, he has three attacks. He'll shoot like a boomerang at you. He'll shoot homing projectiles at you. And then there's a seed phase where he drops a bunch of seeds from the sky and they all grow into different things that also attack you. So you can get, 
you can completely master, like you can understand the mechanics of that fight entirely and still fail at it because the order in which things happens or maybe like the pace at which things happens is not something that you're prepared for. So it's not like, even though it's a game that you can master your understanding of it, the boss fights are never exactly the same. Right, and I have a... I, I take issue with this for two reasons. Um, the more technical, the first reason, which is more technical, is that um, it, there's just some combinations of uh, attacks or movements, I guess, um, that are impossible to beat. Because there's it happen. It's not super frequent, but sometimes just because the randomness isn't completely um, well, like fine tuned, there'll be just two combinations of attacks that you literally just can't get out of you're just gonna have to take the hit i haven't had that happen to me i'll take i'll I'll take your word for that but i have not it's something that like this isn't even like an original point i'm making it's something that when i was researching some of the criticism it was like pretty across the board gotcha um what i would say uh is more something personal for me which we can you know reasonable people will disagree about is that (laughs) because of difficulty um to me is supposed to like foster an intimacy when something isn't perfectly scripted, especially a game that's already as tough, like even if it was perfectly scripted, this game's difficulty wouldn't even like change that much. Yeah. Um, it means that like I don't get to like fully appreciate um the encounter because sometimes it's just much easier, and so it doesn't f- you know if the randomness sometimes on the flip side of some combinations being impossible, some, some combinations, combinations are like unlosable. just give you <laughs> yeah right <laughs> like a, we so, were the the bug that I was talking about or what I thought was a bug that we were talking about earlier. If you deal yeah. enough damage in one phase to the the flower boss, he will just skip a whole phase and he'll sit and just take bullets to the dome for like <laughs> a solid twenty seconds. Right, and which like makes that, the fight close to unlosable. Yeah, it makes it unlosable. Um that's how i beat that fight i I couldn't beat it otherwise it was like really finally yeah skip yeah i I actually (laughs) so i say unlosable i actually lost the time that that (laughs) happened (laughs) but uh yeah so to me i've I've, um like why i say people can disagree is because i think for some people like i'm assuming jacob is one of these people i'm about to characterize it's more about themselves it's more about being able to handle uh what comes at them and yeah, for that sure. doesn't have to be perfectly scripted. For me, I want to like, I, I want to become really familiar with the game because I'm more connected to um, the decision, the design decisions. Yeah, I um, think that I have to like, I, I have to disagree with that because to me, if uh, if the if the boss fights were perfectly scripted and predictable, the game act, I think that would drastically drastically re- reduce the difficulty of the game. Because the, the flower boss fight isn't, like, once you understand how the projectiles work and which seeds turn into which things, the boss fight isn't particularly difficult. What makes the game difficult is every single iteration of that fight, you have to adjust your strategy and you have to, like, understand your positioning uh, based on what's happening around you. And if the fight was the same every time, you there's you know you could just figure out where you need to stand for each phase and you don't have to move. There's no, like... The, the RNG elements of the game are what makes the gameplay so dynamic and fun and challenging. Yeah, I think um, intellectually all this like resonates with me, and but at some point you just have to like surrender to the subjectivity of your experience because like, I just personally feel better when it's completely scripted. Sure, I guess you know I what I mean. That, it's but... like everything you're saying is like completely reasonable. 
I totally yeah, buy but into you what just you're as far as your relationship to the game, you would just prefer. Have you tried yeah. the? Uh, I don't actually know how it works, but there's for each boss fight, there's three modes of difficulty. One of them you only get after you, you have the to, entire game. You have to get expert difficulty. You have to beat the whole game in regular, and if you play it in easy, it doesn't progress you. It's just to learn the fight. Oh, okay. I didn't. Yeah, I, I haven't so, used the simple mode yet, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, that's how it works. Um, which I think is like kind of fascinating too, because it's demanding that you play the game. Yeah. How it, there's only one, you know, because like a lot of games. I was playing Divinity: Original Sin two. There's four different difficulties. Playing Horizon Zero Dawn, I think there's three or four difficulties like that you get to start with. So yeah. if you just want to play through the story, you just can do the easiest Easy, mode. Yeah, sure. A game like this is like it's telling you oriented you have entirely to around yeah. the gameplay so you, you have there's to no do. choice yeah and the way that the difficulties work it's just phases there's more phases than expert oh um, okay well i don't know if there's more phases so much as there's much more attacks it's faster gotcha. attacks but there is definitely the an easy mode the last phase is cut off you don't have to worry about the last phase and they attack less so, so I'll, to to this point i will say the the reason i want to talk a little bit more about like the um what's the the dynamism of the gameplay um this i play almost exclusively games that are multiplayer like to play competitive games with other people because i'm typically pretty uninterested in like it did beating a computer is not like a satisfying challenge to me <laughs> that's so, so funny <laughs> that's like, <laughs> yeah that's just yeah it's, it's funny every time i well, don't people... expect you to be as competitive as you are and then you always surprise me with this like hyper competitive streak which is i find i find uh uh like you know I, th- I think that's a good thing i'm not saying it's a bad thing but i'm very surprised no no no, no. you know yeah but like my, my two favorite games are dota 2 and super smash brothers melee and it's not playing against a computer is like fine for understanding the mechanics of those games but playing against people who are utilizing different strategies is that like that's the joy of games to me is it's the essence of competition that's like games are like the intersection of you know art and sport and you you have this like um, I, I don't know how to, to phrase it exactly. If, like, art is the idea that humanity has progressed beyond the need to just survive or whatever, um, we've sort of transcended, like, the sort of base animal part of us, and we've decided, okay, we're going to create art now, then games are, like, sort of this... They exist at this intersection where we're still animals and we're still competing, but it's in a fun way. Where <laughs> you know, yeah. Does that make sense? It can be fun. Yeah, <laughs> but the uh, I, I'm surprised at how much I like Cuphead because typically I don't like these games, and it's because a lot of the time playing against the computer feels like you're playing against another person. It's it's throwing things at you in combinations that are always the randomness of it is what makes it enjoyable. They're they're always um, the uniqueness of every encounter, even though you're fighting the same boss. Is that's the beauty of the game to me. I think um, that what you're describing, because, I mean, these encounters are made by people, right? right. Like, it's not just, like, the computer is... Right, saying, right, right. You know, <laughs> he's not distant uh, and un, uh, he's not inconceivable. You know, it's like a person designing right. these encounters. So, I totally... You can feel what that. you're talking is, about. Yeah. yeah. And not just with Cuphead, but just, I think, good games with good bosses what that means is just like the encounters were well designed um, yeah there can be obviously where like there's c- clearly so many games where either the ai or the scripting is completely phoned in and that's where um it feels like you're just playing like it it doesn't feel good 
you know yeah um, like a that shadow of mortar game that i was talking about or mortar shadow whatever it's called i've i played a little bit of that game um and like it all of all the enemies behave pretty much the exact same way it's the game is super easy because once you understand how the ai works they'll never deviate from their patterns of behavior right i'm like thinking about chess right now as like a different analog to this because um when you're like learning chess and let's say you're just playing some of the easier modes on the computer that are going to make mistakes they're going to allow for mistakes uh-huh. um it still does not play like a human because of the the way that computers think transactionally with chess as opposed to positionally right because so, they it works in the pieces are sort of assigned like a numeric value and then the the computer chess player makes decisions calculates. based entirely on like yeah. their the the opportunistic value of each piece right right so like um computers right now like if you were to like get really into chess you would have like a this thing called stockfish is the easiest application to get that's a computer that can think so many spaces ahead Mm -hmm. that it will always win if you're playing against it um so you don't really play against the computer at higher levels you're using it to teach you about the game right um but if you're playing at levels where the computer is only allowed to think like a move ahead, right, it's still going to play a lot different than if it's um, against a human. Because one human makes mistakes, but even the nature of human play is less transactional. It's more like, you know, it's more principled, right? It's like, you right. know, if this piece, you, you know, like at some point you want this piece to do this kind of thing. You're not really thinking about mm-hmm. 10 moves ahead. You're just like, oh, it's good if my knight is here at this phase of the game that's like a principle i know about chess or like it's good to have my pawns out in a certain way mm-hmm. um i don't really know how to connect this it just feels <laughs> a lot different than what we're talking about where well i can i can try to connect it i think that the the fundamental difference there is and the, the reason that i that i'm equating cuphead to like playing against a human player is when you're playing against a human player in games you'll encounter if I play if I play Super Smash Brothers Melee against a player that's worse than I am, they'll still be able to to hit me and in some cases even take stocks off me just because they when somebody is performing suboptimally, it's also unexpected. If you play frequently against somebody who's very good at a game, they'll move even though they're at, at an equal skill level, they'll move in ways that become predictable to you. A worse uh, player will sort of just throw things out. And that's what uh, Cuphead feels like. It's it's Sometimes the bosses will behave in a way where it's just like, there's no projectiles on the screen, this is so easy, and you'll miss something, and you'll get hit, and you'll be like, how the hell did that just happen? That's, that's a... So there's, I think there, what you're saying gives me an idea, which is that unpredictability is a good thing. Right? 100%, yeah. It, and especially you don't in, have in to, like unpredictability, boss-based game design. Yeah, right, in boss-based games design. But um, unpredictability is not randomness. Yeah, Randomness right, is a right. way to um, make uh, unpredictability happen. But you can also just have um, an encounter that is perfectly scripted, but as you're playing through it, it, the, it does unpredictable things. Like, you didn't expect this kind of attack to happen as you're playing through it like the first time or the first time you get to a phase sure but the first once you have i mean once you again once that becomes rote once you've understand what once it's happened one time and you can prepare for it then the difficulty is gone unless it happens to just be like incredibly well, technically not, demanding. not necessarily like imagine like um the boss like imagine you're fighting a boss right sure and he changes forms 
and all of a sudden the sword you're using now doesn't work on him and then you die um you didn't expect him to change you didn't expect your sword not to work but now you have all these different elemental weapons that you could use you don't know which one works and so you're you're you have to go back and now you're like attacking the boss with like your fire weapon and sure. that's not working and you're like well it, i thought that would work He's like a, he turned into, you know what I mean? Like that could be like an unpredictability that's not necessarily randomness, but where like def, it's defying your expectations, and you have to consistently like readjust your expectations to try and beat him again, or try to like figure this puzzle out. Um, that's like how the witness work. The witness isn't random at all, but it's like the way that you solve puzzles is completely unpredictable. Even uh, I you think you've got. I would love to talk about that game on an episode. That's like definitely deserving of its own. That game is right. pretty brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's like a, a good way of thinking about difficulty, though, and the quality of encounters and how people are can be emulated using good encounter design. That's and fair. That's something Cuphead does, even though we kind of have differences of like taste when it comes to the scripting. Yeah, I and I think cool. we both love the game too. Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's just it's the. Um, the scripting issue to me, the only problem, like objective problem, is some of the technical like impossibilities. Um, but it, it doesn't like really change my yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. Uh, if it was like something where you were like punished heavily for dying, I could see that being very, very like in Dark Souls. I can Imagine see that if, really like, annoying. Yeah, that would be so frustrating. But the fact if, like, that the it's load, a yeah. two minute boss encounter and you can just hit retry when you die, it makes it's so forgivable. Yeah, it's it, so forgivable. any yeah. any like design flaws are sort of like you know immediately corrected by the fact that you can just repeat the fight immediately totally and because of those reasons it feels fair even though sometimes mm-hmm. some iterations are actually just not fair yeah but it, just, it doesn't <laughs> you never like this game is completely unfair fuck it it's like nah it's just like i gotta just do it one more time <laughs> i mean but, wait, uh, wait I, actually just to give like my my two cents i would yeah, let you yeah, guys riff on yeah. this because you guys know more about this shit than i do but one thing that I can say is that I'm definitely going to play it outside of, like, the context of talking about it here right now. You know what I mean? Particularly yeah, uh-huh. because I think that I'm more sympathetic to this kind of, like, auteur position that Johnny is proposing about challenging games and about playing either, like, narrative style or playing against a computer rather than multiplayer competitive games. I, the way that I've generally, in, you know, the games that I have enjoyed the most are... Uh, I kind of see as like participating in a narrative or participating in some sort of um, articulated singular expression. Sure. Yeah. Than, yeah. Rather than being about, um, you know, people will play Call of Duty every day for, you know, ever. Right. And it's like, <laughs> the singular this is articulated really... expression of shoot people. And well, so, like, I think I mean this is just my experience about it. Like, it, you know, Zelda right yeah it's like it you know and that kind of thing so like that that's an example of it or like you know other games that i've played i generally am into that i'm, I'm generally into the, like the storyline mode of a game now at the same time when i was looking at when i was watching videos of this because it's not available on mac and you know i don't have you know, that's all you mac. have yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know but the thing is that um i i mean it, it was like uh i i really felt an authorial uh voice in the images there was something that was like reminiscent of pop art, you know what I mean? Huh. And like, yeah, yeah. Um, or like, you know, those uh, people that do, you know, old uh, comic books, you know, with the big explosions and the yeah. stark <laughs> contrast between the colors and everything. And then on top of that, I mean, I didn't know that it was actually hand drawn. 
but I, I thought that they were faking some of the hand-drawn aspects. Like um, there are times when it's like a little bit choppy in the way that something. Uh, well, I mean, it's actually really choppy if you think about it. They're like yeah, they, they have the these, the whole like, graininess of like old school cartoons. And... For sure. Well, and the it, graininess it, is like added on. Oh, yeah, no, 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 of that. course, of course. But I mean specifically that if you like things move a little too much in every frame, then it be yeah, then like, it'll you know, be like super skippy. high frame rate, right? But the thing yeah. is that. Um, uh, or like if you look at it, you know, the buildings were my favorite when you when you go through that, uh, you know, when you go through the area where you can kind of choose which which level or which boss you're going to go to and they'll have the store and the store is kind of shifting, always kind of shifting a little bit, always moving around. And that's just because, you know, it's drawn imperfectly and each frame is just a little bit off from the other one. And that's how. Yeah, totally. Look. And so there's something really authentic about that. So the reason that I want to play the game and the reason that I'm actually excited to kind of try and play it and, you know, it looks really difficult. I probably won't make it very far. But the thing is that um, it really reminded me of things that you'll see in, I mean, Johnny and I went to the Modern Art Museum in Amsterdam and um, it reminded me of stuff that I saw there, right? And uh, I thought that that was really exciting to me. So to bring it back to the kind of central theme is that I'm really sympathetic to that kind of authorial nature of games rather I than think, it being like a collective experience. Yeah, I totally. think though you can re. I mean, I, I think what you're saying, uh, there could be an interesting counterpoint, which is mm -hmm. that um, you have games that have, you can have multiplayer games, I think that um, the authorial element is not in the narrative, but in the either the genre or the gameplay itself like um, i totally agree with you player what player underground what player, player unknown, unknown battlegrounds yeah, yeah PUBG mm -hmm. is like it's basically the creator was this guy who made an arma mod um and he basically you can't talk about that game without talking about the author of it and it's totally. well it's literally Absolutely. in the name so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he's, he's so, literally it's player yeah. unknown is the guy who made the game that's so funny um yeah. and but there wasn't really like a good battle royale game and now it's super popular but you can't really talk about the i it, every time i read about the game it's always about the guy yeah who, totally. you know what i mean like and the way that he wanted to create this sort of experience even though it's not a narrative oh no just... i and i totally and i think that there's i think that that's like a perfectly um interesting way of thinking about uh, thinking about that dynamic and what i would say is that i think what i was getting at was that like when even when you have something like that what the game is is it's really like a medium of exchange between the players right rather than right. like uh, like you know uh, an artistic exchange between a specific audience member Right? Yeah, that makes and, sense. And it's I think not that's like just a, a way of distinguishing it because that's not to detract from your point. I'm sure that there are multiplayer games where the idea is to create an environment for interaction that has kind of its own underlying expressive qualities, right? Yeah, but, um, totally. And, and I'm also saying that I'm not saying I wouldn't enjoy that as well. What I was kind of getting at specifically was that, um, what I, to bring it back to Cuphead, what seemed so cool about that was that it was um, in itself this really unique like aesthetic experience that's um between you and its creators and it's really intimate in that sensibility right um it's yeah. less that it's you know you're not talking to anybody else you're not like strategizing and there's yeah with other people you know what i mean yeah totally and there's like a uh i think that the back to the the whole fleischer disney thing it's a it's a style of animation that nobody who is playing the game lived through but we are all familiar with it 
Oh, mm. what a good point. Yeah. It's like yeah. a it's it's an interesting because I think a lot of independent games are really nostalgia focused. They're they're sort of oriented around creating this atmosphere of like um you know, only 90s kids will remember like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But this is like only, you know, only 30s kids will remember and nobody who grew up <laughs> only, in the 30s is going to be playing more, this game. You know? yeah. well, I, I, this is a fascinating point because nostalgia is only one way to like harken back to the past. History, studying mm-hmm. history is another. And this feels more like a historical exercise. And yeah. the fact that it's difficult, it's... um it's like a Mario Brothers type game, so it's already has like something of a nostalgic or video game history era because, frankly, a lot of people playing Cuphead actually didn't even live through the Mario Brothers era. No, and and the the and, style of gameplay too is more like um, what's the there were games for like the Sega Genesis. This this, this whole shoot 'em up like game genre Sonic, was a yeah or like shoot 'em up was like. A late oh, well, 80s, oh, like God. early arcade 90s, like arcade. Thing. Yeah, 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 that was the whole in the 80s. Well, what so was it's that like game? A, what was that game Metal Slug. Isn't that yeah, the exactly, one? That's like exactly, exactly. That's yeah. the kind of run and gun style. Exactly, yeah. Right. The right. the like commando. You know, you're just like a buff dude with a big gun running around shooting down guys. Yeah, constantly shooting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was and that's also like, like there's also something psychedelic to that to Cuphead that I kept thinking about. Yeah, for sure. Because, like it really felt there it, it felt really trippy for lack of a better word. I think maybe I mean? the psychedelia the psychedelia comes from like feeling nostalgic about something you never lived through because it is mm-hmm. like actually like evoking nostalgia in a sense even though maybe you didn't live through the platforming era or the beginning of the platforming era we've all played platformers yeah exactly just mario 64 but it's actually never it's got its fingers in so many different pots as far as like the historical and cultural influences that it's drawing from that's maybe why it feels like it's a game that's just sort of displaced from time it's totally. a, a game that was it, released in 2017 that is the style like the gameplay style is reminiscent of an arcade shooter from the late 80s early 90s the art style is reminiscent of a you know like a a 30s cartoon and then the actual like some of the gameplay decisions are very modern yeah and i think because it and, uses like the um like an like an art historical mindset um is a way of think it's a way of so indie games usually also what's cool about their experimental nature is that like you know I don't like Undertale but I appreciate what Undertale did in terms of deconstructing um, like sprite RPGs yeah right there's like this deconstructive uh, capacity of indie games when you're not like Jacob said beholden to a publisher and I think what this game is doing it's using history to sort of deconstruct what we're doing when we're playing platformers right like what what are we looking for when we're um playing these 2d games that are um about you know boss fights yeah is it a challenge is it a time killer yeah exactly like are like you becoming intimate with the game or are you just becoming more like um self-aware yeah becoming a better gamer a twitch gamer kind of thing yeah um, there's a lot of I, there's I don't know totally how to fully unpack the experience of this game from a experience and a meta narrative level, but I think that's what's fascinating about it, and it's only twenty dollars. Yeah, oh yeah, you should such do a bargain. Recom- so, strongly recommend anybody that's it's listening. It's strongly you should just pick recommended. Game up. Yeah, just as long as you're thinking about it more than just like oh I'm playing a game. There's just so much to really chew on, and that really asks questions about gaming itself. I think. Um, no, yeah, I, agree. I think it's I fascinating. Agree. Yeah, it's completely great. 
Yeah, I, I think we're all on board. I mean, Mark hasn't yeah, even played uh, it, and he's already. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to. Though I'm really excited to. It was. Um, Just get a I, cheap laptop or something. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. no, no. I mean, I, I actually lo- I went and I looked it up. They're supposed to have it on Mac pretty soon. That's like. You know, oh, okay, cool. Their next priority. But as soon yeah. as it comes out on Mac, I'm going to play it because I was really, I was really excited. Just get an Xbox. <laughs> Just go spend what? Are, what is it like? Four hundred, five hundred dollars on an no. Xbox? No, it's cheaper. Three hundred at 300? least at the most. Yeah, oh I don't know God. how much Xbox is. I don't. I don't have. I never. I, don't, I actually <laughs> don't think I know a single person that owns an Xbox. You know Jake Tripp. So oh, he know. has an Xbox, doesn't he? No, that's a three sixty. I thought. No. Nah, I think he's got the one. I don't know, man. I don't know much about <laughs> Xbox. Know, man. What a weird. I'm just excited <laughs> for the next gen console so we can finally get the Xboner. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ex- are there any Xbox exclusives that like aren't on Microsoft? Would like in the Microsoft Store? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like the only Xbox exclusive that matters that I can think of is Halo, and I don't think those games are good anymore. So. Yeah. Who, like, who but anyway, <laughs> before yeah, anyway. we uh, digress too much, is there anything else that you guys wanted to say on? No, I feel good. We got a lot more to talk about. Uh, yeah, totally. In the next segment. Yep. Although, and it won't air till Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, that is all we have to say about Cuphead. Um, if you want to join us next week, we're going to be, or not next week, sorry, on Wednesday, we're going to be talking about gun control. Um, but that's it for today. Uh, you guys want to go ahead and sign off? Yeah, sure. All right, well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for listening. All right, see you on Wednesday. <laughs>